Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, August 9th, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. No, no, no. I, oh. I am sorry. I'm putting my foot down as the executive producer of Today on Broadway. We need you to change what? your intro. Oh, no. What does it need to be? I'm so embarrassed. You know what it is. I, uh, um... It is the She NYC Best Actress <laughs> Award winning Grace Aki. Best actor, mind you. Actor? Oh, is it gender non-specific? It oh, is. Great. Well, of course, because it's it's not it's, it's an women and, yeah. and non-binary. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Best Actor Award winning for the She NYC Festival, Grace Aki. Congratulations. That is awesome. Oh, thank you. I forgot. It was such an exciting surprise because I forgot it was like adjudicated in any fashion. And so, like, someone messaged me on Twitter because I wasn't, I, I've been very cautious because I'm about to travel um, a, a lot for, like, family and stuff. So I'm, I'm just being very conscientious of, of that footprint. And so I, I wasn't at, like, the final, like, ceremony of everybody getting together with SheNYC because we're about to start streaming, which is great. Um, so mm-hmm. you can see all the shows if you weren't able to physically attend the, the festival. But I forgot there was, like, a, there's, like, an awards thing. And, of course, like, I'm by myself. Like, why would, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, and someone messaged me on Twitter and said, hey, I'm at this she NYC event, you were just named Best Actor. <laughs> I said, what are you talking That's about? Amazing. So thank you again to Twitter.com. Uh, yeah. But how lovely. That was such a nice honor. And like, I know it sounds so silly, but like having this show selected as a piece of like my writing, but then being recognized as an actor just feels really different. And I'm, thank you. That's all. Thank you. Yeah, it was wonderful, and you can still get tickets uh, to watch the streaming version, which I recommend that you do, uh, and see the award-winning work of our own Grace Aki. So, uh, all right, Grace, um, I feel like we need to get the sad stuff out of the way for today's episode first, because there so is a lot much. of really exciting stuff later on. Um, but we're going to get the sad stuff out of the way, and unfortunately, we have to talk about not one but two passings in and around the theater community. The first, I'm sure that all of you have probably heard by now, comes with the acting and music icon Olivia Newton-John, who passed away at the age of 73 at her South uh, Southern California home on Monday. She has been battling cancer, uh, metastatic breast cancer, for 30 years. Uh, and it was confirmed on her official verified Facebook page that she did pass away while surrounded by friends and family on Monday morning. Uh you know, I think everybody know from the theater community thinks of her first and foremost as Sandy from the movie version of Grease or perhaps even from Kira in Xanadu, Xanadu. if you want to. Uh, yeah. But like, I think we often forget, like, she was also a huge international pop superstar with songs like uh, Physical and I Honestly Love You and then so many songs from Xanadu and Grease and other things uh, like Twist of Fate from the Two of a Kind movie, which she was also in, um, you know, and being uh, a huge star on s- stage in terms of like concert stages and screens in her native Australia as well. Um, although I actually think she was born in England, but grew up in Australia. Like a lot of her career started in Australia. Um, but just, you know, somebody who was always a bright, sunshiny ray of light anytime you saw her on TV or in a movie and really somebody who ushered in a lot of people, generations upon generations of people into musicals and her passing while very sad is also a great opportunity for us to recognize the the work that she did and the contributions she made to this medium that we love. 
Yeah, she's so formative for so many of us, especially because of Grace, but also Xanadu. She's just like, every time you would see her, like at anything afterwards, it's just like a ray of sunshine. So I know that she will be incredibly missed, but like the music that she has left behind and her presence on screen and whatever that might mean, like she is so long lasting. Um, Yeah, it's just like, let's celebrate her right now. Absolutely. So uh, I said there are two passings, which... Unfortunately, we do have to talk about another one, and this one is somebody more in the Broadway-specific community, and that is the fact that we learned on Monday that the original Madame Thenardier in the Broadway production of Les Miserables, Jennifer Butt, passed away at the age of 64. Not only did she originate the role of Madame Thenardier in Les Mis on Broadway, she also appeared on Broadway um, with her college classmate Jennifer Tilly, uh, I might mind you, uh, in the Broadway production of The Women back in 2001. Jennifer Tilly, who is um, a stage and screen actress and now professional poker player, by the way, um, she posted a a nice tribute about Jennifer um, on social media as well. So a sad day for a lot of people in and around the theater community, but our thoughts are with everybody who loved both of these iconic women. Uh, both as individuals and as performers. And uh, we are certainly sending our best to everybody and them included. All right, we've got the sad stuff out of the way. Now let's counterbalance that with some really, really exciting stuff. Uh, Because as these rumors have been rumbling for a really long time, but it was finally confirmed on Monday that the great Lilius White is coming back to Broadway, not back as Matron Mama Morton or Mama Matron Morton or Morton Mama Matron or whatever it is in Chicago, which she has done multiple times and fairly recently, but she is coming back to play Hermes in the Broadway production of Hadestown, becoming the first female-identifying actor to ever play that role. She will start performances replacing T. Oliver Reed on September 13th. Um, Reed will actually play his final performance on September 4th. Um, I was a little surprised at how quickly this happened, but talking to some folks behind the scenes, um, T. was always only supposed to be in this role for a short period of time. This was always kind of the bridge plan from what I was told. We'll see, you know, what that ha- whether that's true or not. I don't know, but that's what I was told. Um, but what's so interesting about this is, is like, very rarely do we ever see principal lead roles in musicals switch between genders. I mean, the only thing that I can really think of that's on this level would be uh, going from Nathan Lane to Whoopi Goldberg and Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. This will necessitate a lot of, like, key changes, I guess. Um, but it's, it's fascinating and it's probably going to get me to buy another ticket to see Hades down because this is incredible. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I feel like this is just a really, really brilliant catalyst to say, Hey, you want to see the same show that you love, but totally different. Let's go. Like, I think that this is right. such a smart, it's such a great move for, for the casting of the show, um, to entice people that have long loved the show, obviously, because it is, it's so fantastic, but also mm-hmm. to say, don't you want to see this spin? Don't you want to see this presentation? Um, cause that's a different energy to start that show. And I'm obsessed with the idea. So. I- yeah, like, let's bring that energy to everything else. You know what I mean? Like, Chicago has been the one that for years has been the mainstay of, like, and then this person's version of Roxy, and then this person's version of Billy. And yeah. um, I just love the idea that possibly this would be a great catalyst for other 
Broadway shows to uh, entice like the longevity of the production because I think that at the end of the day like that's what this is going after is saying like this is how this show can last is that they are ushering in a new vision but it's also like staying within the creative mindset I'm I'm really excited about the opportunity for both Lilius but also like the Broadway landscape at large yeah because so often we see shows just kind of fizzle out towards the end and I know we can all have our issues with the Weislers but like you said with Chicago but then also with Waitress too like they are always I don't like the word stunt casting because I think that comes with a negative connotation as if these people aren't qualified to play these roles and they're just there for their notoriety but like star casting Jenna and Dr. Pometer um, as they you know I think there is some stunt casting involved in Chicago over the years but it, recently I think it's actually been really good with bringing in like James Monroe Eigelhart or Eric Bergen or bringing Lilius back or um, uh, was it Angelica Ross who who just is uh, is joining yes. the production like yes. like these are all super talented people but they bring something with it so if you're gonna try to prolong the longevity of your career bringing in these stars who might do something completely different to the role than what has been done before like that's interesting that's exciting so often we think of a Broadway show being frozen in the sense of like, this is how it's done. This is the track. We're not veering from this. And while I understand the the benefits of that from a production standpoint, there is so much fertile ground to be had both commercially and creatively by bringing in super talented people and letting them have their own say on characters, which obviously Lilius is going to do uh, when she joins the show on September 13th. Um, I told you, like, I'm coming back in December. That's my plan. But like, at this point, there are nah. so many things that I have to see. I'll like, see you soon. No, 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 Matt. Don't do that to us. You only had like a short visit. Okay. <laughs> I had. I was there for six days. I was there Thursday through, through Wednesday. But like, uh, Friday through Thursday, I mean, but you know, there's so much, like so many good shows. And the other, the next big show that was announced on Monday was one that we knew was coming. We just didn't know when. And we now know what show will be opening the newly rechristened James Earl Jones Theater. And that is Adrian Kennedy's Ohio State Murders, starring the one and the only. Audra McDonald. The show will begin performances on November 11th ahead of a December 8th opening night. The show is a limited engagement and will be directed by Kenny Leon. This production marks Adrian Kennedy's Broadway debut at the age of 91. She has been working as a as a playwright for 65 years. Um, and this is a show, obviously. Um, Adrian Kennedy is a graduate of the Ohio State University, as I am. I don't know that this show necessarily sets the um, uh, the 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 college that I know and love in the best necessary light. I don't know a ton about the show. I've never read it, um, but I'm looking forward to seeing this. And uh, this, of course, is going into what was previously known as the Court Theater, recently renamed to the James Earl Jones Theater. And I think it's great that they are opening this newly named theater with a show by a black artist, starring a black artist, directed by a black artist. Yeah, I, I really don't have any notes there because it's just really freaking fantastic. And I heard this morning that it was going to be announced today around like two o'clock. And I was just like itching at my phone being like, when, 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 when. So um, yeah, I can't wait to keep you all updated on that. But like, welcome Kenny Leon back to Broadway, damn it. That's all I'm saying. I mean, George's own. <laughs> George's own. George's own. Yeah. Love me some <laughs> Kenny Leon True Colors Theater there. Um, 
But yeah, this is great. So this is just another one that's going to go on my list. And I, I'm literally, seriously, I'm going to have to stay for like two, three weeks. Somebody hook me up with a hotel or an Airbnb or a sublet or something because uh, Midtown prices at hotels are crazy and I need to be there for a long time this fall. So we will see. Um, speaking of things that are absolutely bonkers and crazy, I'm not going to get into a ton of the details of this story because it's dumb and it's stupid, but it's it's interesting and people are talking about it. So over the weekend, uh, Howard Sherman, previous guest here on Broadway Radio, um, started talking about this bizarre, clearly illegal production of Hamilton that was being done um, by the Door Christian Fellowship Ministries in McAllen, Texas, in which not only were they doing an unauthorized, unlicensed production of Hamilton, but they were also rewriting it to incorporate very um, conservative Christian views in there, including some anti-LGBTQIA plus views, um, some... (laughs) talking about struggles with alcohol and drugs and homosexuality and how God is the answer and trying to work that into Lin-Manuel Miranda's lyrics. Um, Howard started talking about it. I know that um, uh, Chris Peterson over at the Onstage blog wrote a lot about it as well. And then Hamilton uh, sent out a press release saying that they had sent a cease and desist after the first performance on Friday, August 5th. And after they communicated with the church, they did allow them to do the second performance on Saturday, August 6th, um, with some uh, caveats that it could not be recorded. It could They could not sell tickets. They could not post anything about it. They had to take things down, all of that stuff. They would then talk to the theater and try to gather all of the information to see what their next legal steps are. Um, But absolutely bonkers. Uh, This is apparently this is a church that does a lot of these things. I've seen like they did a Marvel musical kind of thing before, but they've done stuff like Despicable Me, you know, Toy Story, Beauty and the Beast, Elf, all of these unlicensed and illegal. And yet they haven't been shut down, which is nuts to me i have nothing to add to this because i am so i've been inundated with all of these updates and the videos <laughs> and i am so like a vomit in my mouth also like y'all the people that are also like shocked and outraged have clearly never been in an illegal production of anything because let me tell you <laughs> as a person from a small town uh nonprofit theater like growing up there were there were times when i went this is sus as hell um, and so I'm glad that the internet didn't really exist um, in the same capacity, but just this happens all the time. So it, it is kind of wild that it is with Hamilton, um, but... And that they were posting videos and like marketing it and, and all that's, that's the crazy thing. That's what I was like, wow, wow, wow. Because was your girl at one time a youth pastor and hosted what was called Sunday Night Live in which I would parody SNL bits for the Bible? You bet I did. Uh, but that was a different time and a different person. And I will say my performance, kind of good. Um, but uh, yeah, it, so it was... Best actor award winning. <laughs> kill me. No, but yeah, so so we'll keep you all updated because it is kind of fascinating. And it's also in the times of the, uh, you know, Bridgerton incident lawsuit plus mm-hmm. like this Hamilton bit. It's a it's a big conversation also about like what you're kind of allowed to take as an artist. And I know that I mean, calling what's happening like artistry. Sure, we could have that debate. But like, you know, I just think it is kind of a fascinating conversation about, you know, when you're going to actually leverage 
suits and whatnot. So um, I am fascinated, but I am also bored. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, let's go out to Chicago and check in on the out-of-town tryout of the Devil Wears Prada musical. As we talked about on yesterday's show, the, the musical officially opened on Sunday night. It is currently scheduled to run at the James M. Niederlander Theater in Chi-Town through August 21st. The show stars Beth Level as Miranda Priestly, Taylor Amon Jones as Andy Sachs, Javier Munoz, not... Anthony Munoz, as I said yesterday, um, who is a former Hall of Fame offensive lineman, as Nigel, um, uh, Christiana Cole as Lauren Hunter, Megan Masako Haley as Emily, Tiffany Mann as Kayla, and others. Um, the show features a book by Kate Weatherhead, who's always been one of my favorites, and a score with music by Elton John and lyrics by Shana Taub. Let's dive into these reviews, starting first with Chris Jones of the Chicago Tribune, who said, quote, the show is reasonably entertaining, but especially given all the COVID considerations, it is a f- it is far enough from finished as to not have deserved so many coastal media judges in the Niederlander Theater Sunday night, laying waste to the concept of the pre-Broadway tryout. Job one in this production is the addition of more wit and irreverence to Weatherhood's book, Weatherhead's book, and Shana Taub's lyrics. The movie's appeal was based on two fundamental human pleasures: seeing gorgeous humans model stunning fashion artistry and watching people behave very badly in ways that the viewer would never dare. It was absolutely not about learning moral lessons. He goes on, neither of the two leads played by Beth Level and Taylor Amon Jones have enough of their own distinct style and, weirdly, the show blows right past the big switcheroo in the movie when the geeky Andy reinvents herself as a stylist of high couture. Act 2 is stronger in this regard. It helps a lot when the show leaves New York and hits Paris, but it's still a major issue. The wit is just as important, he says. Notwithstanding a knockout ensemble of dancers, the show needs to be funnier, smoother, and to move far more quickly, given that Miranda is a whirling dervish. He goes on to say that Weatherhead's book needs to have more bite, especially when it comes to Andy. They kind of soft-pedal Andy and and make her more... um, rounded and smooth rather than having her own issues to deal with. He says that Taub's lyrics need to move beyond just rehashing the things that are already said in the book, and that while John's score has, quote, five very solid songs, there needs to be more than just patter songs for level, and that neither lead really gets to show their full talents in the songs that John has written. Interesting. Uh, Misha Davenport, writing for Broadway World, said, quote, where the show really limps as if walking on broken Milano, uh, Manolo, I can't, I Manolo Blahnix, babe. Manolo Blahnix. I know what it is. I know what it is. (laughs) I just couldn't say it. Um, uh, Manolo Blahnik heels is the score. I'm not sure if Elton John was intentionally trying to top the worst musical he's ever made, Lestat, but mission accomplished. Wow, Misha, that's a lot. At most, there are three serviceable songs here, and none of them are sung by the show's leads. Munoz brings some much-needed glitz to Andy's well-anticipated remake scene with the tune Dress Your Way Up, which is the one we saw in the previews. Yeah, as I said yesterday, not the song that I would have chosen, but if that's the best one, I guess that's why they chose it. Um, Dean Richards for WGN said, quote, with a beautiful style and clever stage presentation, there are even better performances here, especially from its leads, Taylor Mon Jones as Andy, Tony Award winner Beth Level as Miranda, and Javier Munoz as Nigel. There's also a terrific ensemble of trendy dancers and singers who add to the very chic look and feel. 
I mean, I feel like this is probably exactly what I anticipated from these reviews. Like, I kind of thought this is where we were going based off what, we, what we've seen and heard. I hope they take the opportunity to make some changes. I don't know that they'll have time. I don't know what their schedule is, but I love Beth Level. I love Taylor Amon Jones. Um, Everyone so really, in that cast is is yeah. absolutely beloved. Um, yeah. I, you know, Tiffany Mann, even like I just and want Megan the world Masako for her. Haley. I thought she Megan, was great in the Mean oh Girls. Oh my too. god! Oh, yeah, so good. You know, you know. Um, but yeah, so it is really unfortunate. And the only video clips that I have seen. The moment that I saw them, they reminded me of uh, Pretty Woman because I very recently saw the tour. Mm -hmm. And that sentiment has been echoed, especially with some of the videos that I've seen on TikTok. Not Again, not illegal videos or anything, but like the curtain call and then the stuff they've put out. And so if they are going into that vein, it's obviously a very marketable piece. Like people are, you know, referring to it. But what's interesting is I've also seen the commentary on and I don't know if this is 100 percent, but um, they can't use the word Prada on merch because obviously so they can't even like promote the show branding wise on merch it's like dvp musical or something like on on pieces so which is which is hard to you know it so i think that there are like a lot of layers to the challenge that this presents i i hate the idea of of bringing something down before it's even able to like gestate you know what i mean like this is it's just coming out but these people worked so hard for so long and I hope that the creative vision uh, gets a little tighter because it seems like it's just every, a lot of things are disjointed. Um, but again, like, you know, I haven't been able to see it uh, in Chicago, but um, yeah, it, it definitely I, I've been really shocked to to take in a lot of, of those criticisms. I was not suspecting any of that. But after seeing some of the um, like like you and I talked about, you know, um, of the, the content they've put out, um, it seems it seems on point. Yeah. Um, all right, let's wrap up the show with a feel-good recommendation. And this one comes from the one and only Fanny Bryce herself, Julie Benko. She posted a video in which she pointed out a little um, fun thing in her playbill bio. And I'm actually pulling that bio because I have it here on my desk. Oh, let's yeah. P.S. About little Julie Benko, I screenshot this because she just liked my tweet. And I just oh, want to nice. say, Julie, I love you. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, In her bio, and I'll let you see the whole video for yourself, but her bio in her playbill ends with, for more personal information, write to my mother. That is funny, one, because, of course, all of our mothers like to brag about us, but it's even funnier because that is a direct reference to Barbara Streisand's original bio in the playbill for funny girl which also ended in the exact same way and she goes in and actually reads it someone gifted her uh an actual playbill from the original production of hello dolly and she goes through it so um very fun very cute obviously means a lot to her so check out that video she posted on twitter and probably on instagram as well and uh and see all of that but very very excited for her all right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt Grace, Best Actor Award winning, uh, She <laughs> NYC star, Grace Aki. Where can people find you? You're too kind. Um, you can find me on all social media platforms at It's Grace Aki. And I'm promising you that after next week, I will shut the hell up about my no. little play. But um, thank you again. Not and until <laughs> yeah, not until the next time. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, for sure, for sure. Not until the next time. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Tuesday, and Grace and I will be back to talk to you tomorrow.